If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 22, or if in your app, that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning as we conclude this series called Starting Over. Just raise your hand if you've ever have, if you have a regret, if you've ever done something you wish you hadn't have done, right? Yeah, everybody should be having their hands raised, right? I hope your spouse didn't raise her hand thinking of you, all right? <laughs> Through this series, we've talked about there's three kind of general types of regrets. There's regrets of action where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Regrets of re, uh, inaction, when you think back on things that you wish you would have done. And finally, regrets of reaction, right? Where something else happens to you and it kind of sets your life in a course. And so um, I, that happened to me this week, not reaction, but action. My, I think Some of you have asked me about how my mom's doing. So Monday, because uh, I didn't want to have the regret of inaction, I just threw some clothes in a bag and I went and visited my mom. She had surgery this weekend. And it was funny, be, funny to me because when she, this surgery stuff was going on, it was not planned. It just kind of happened. I was saying to my father, uh, by the way, my name is Matt. I met a lot of new people this morning. Welcome to New City. Um, but I, my dad's name is Jimmy Dole. And, uh, and I was like, Dad, if I need to come home, let me know. Like, I'll be there. No, bub, it's fine. You don't have to come home. Dad, seriously, because like, I have two sisters that live there. And so if you know the sibling stuff, right? I'm like, I, I can come home. No, it's, seriously, you're fine. I go, listen, don't tell me that when I get off the phone, you guys complain because I don't come home. Like, I'm, because I'm the oldest. Like, I'm the one that no, doesn't care. He's like, seriously, you're fine. I said, okay, I'm going to believe you. Monday, I get up, I'm like, I'm going in, right? I just feel like I need to. So I go in, and when I get there, my sister texts me, and she says, it's, I'm so glad you came because mom said that if you loved her, you would. And I go, see, I know. I know how this happens. I know how this stinking family, right? Anybody got stinking family in the room? Stinking family, yes, right? So I go see my mom, and um, I stay with her during the day. My dad's staying with her at night, and so when he when he takes my place, I go to this place in Jonesboro, Arkansas, called Tacos for Life. I right? heard it was good. I went there, and it was good. I love tacos, right? And so uh, I'm grabbing dinner, and I always go for the toothpicks. I don't know if any of you people like you can't pass up a toothpick. I can't pass up a toothpick, right? And I thought it was the kind of toothpicks that you pushed down and one would come out, but it was actually the spin on the side kind, right? But I didn't realize it, so I poked it, and the thing flipped over. <laughs> and it was full, and toothpicks go everywhere. And I'm like, shoot, gosh. And usually I would be, you know, I made the mess, I'll clean it up, but there was just too many of them, you know? <laughs> and I said, I'm not doing this. So I, I walked around to those young kids, I'm like, listen, I just made a big mess, and so somebody's got to, I'm not cleaning it up, somebody's going to have to do this. I'm just being honest. It's been a day, and I'm not picking up toothpicks, right? I'm like that guy from Rain Man. I don't care how many there are, just, I'm not picking them up, right? And so I see a kid come out, and a uh, young guy, and he's cleaning them up. And so I, you know, I walk up and say, hey, sir, I'm sorry that I made that mess. And the kid turns around, and it's a girl. And I'm like, all right, I'm just done. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to anybody for the rest of the day. Uh, I'm just calling girls boys and make, I'm done. So right, regrets of reaction, regrets of action. Like, well, I just, I'm going to go eat my taco and, and it, just try to sneak away. We all have these things, right? Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not so funny. And we've been talking about this for the past four weeks. Um, and, and whenever we have a regret of action, like we want a, a regret of any kind, we want to make it right, right? Like, I, like when I spill the toothpicks, I want to make it right, so I'm going to go apologize to this young boy who's cleaning up my toothpicks, and then only to realize that I'm apologizing to a young girl, right? And so now she looks at me like I'm just a big jerk, right? Because I, I'm like, well, I don't know. So anyway, um, 
we, we get in this sorry cycle. I mean, it's kind of a silly. We try to make things right, and we get in this loop where, where we just create more pain, right? And, we just, we, and some of us, like I said, it's not funny. It's like you, you, you're trying to course correct your life, and as you try to course correct your life, you tend to get yourself in a bigger, bigger mess. And uh, today we're going to talk about how we break free from this. But I put this quote in your bulletins if you guys wanted to start here, and it says this, We long to make things right, to change direction, to begin again. Yet, somehow, our attempts to fulfill this longing elude us, right? We just try. Like, maybe you're at church this morning because you're trying to break free from this regret of something that's happened recently in your life, and you've tried everything except, you know what, I'm just going to go to church. Somebody invited you, and you came, or you just said, you know what, you've driven by, so you just walked in, or maybe this past weekend you did something really, 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 really dumb, and you've broken some relationships, you've broken some career stuff, and so, man, this is why you're here by the way, that's not a bad reason. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that God allowed you to stumble across this awesome church. I believe to be an awesome church who's going to care for you and potentially minister to you if you will allow those things to happen. But we're going to break that sorry cycle. And so what we've done this uh, series to break this sorry cycle was to talk about maybe three steps that we take. And so the first step was to simply to recognize, to recognize uh, your regret. Remember, that was week two, so I'm telling you what week it is, so if you wanted to go back and listen online or watch on Facebook or whatever. But week two, we talked about recognizing your regret. We talked about just calling it out. We talked about how God brought Peter back to the fire, right, from one charcoal fire to the next, because sometimes we don't want to recognize. Then the second thing that we talked about was this idea of releasing your regret. We can't continue to hang on to it. We have to, re- to release this. And some of us, we've just been hanging on to stuff for years and years. And because releasing regret typically revolves around forgiveness, either forgiving yourself, asking someone else to, for, uh, for their forgiveness, or forgiving someone. And we don't want to have those conversations. We would kind of rather uh, just kind of hold on to it and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, no, it matters. Right? We would like to pretend that it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal because we have a hard time releasing. We talked about in week three, releasing. Last week, Matt, Pastor Matt Mace just talked about how do we redeem, right? How do we redeem our regrets? How do we uh, begin to not only just like put duct tape on them, but how do we give them back to Jesus so that he can use these broken parts of our lives to really make an impact, not only in us, but in the world in which we live. However, and this is kind of where the teaching begins this morning, if you're kind of ready to lean in, although we've been talking about this for four weeks, this is five, week five here, is that many of us are still in this sorry cycle. We are still struggling with regrets. Some of you have made every single week, but yet there's this same thing that's chipping away at your brain and at your heart that reminds you of what you did, what you said, where you were, and it has created paralysis in your life that you can't move because something else in your past. And you're fearful, and you're afraid, and you won't engage. Like some of you have relational walls, and you're friendly, and you're kind, but people can only go so far. And you've never, honestly, some of us in this room, we've never been completely honest with anyone in our life because at one time we did, somebody hurt us. And, and ever since then, we'll be kind, we'll be friendly, but people don't really know who you are. They don't know your fears. They don't know your hopes and dreams because you stay closed off because somebody in your past hurt you and you've held on to those things. Man, today, like you, you can choose, am I going to stay there or am I going to begin the process? We get stuck. We get stuck in this cycle. Can I give you three quick observations on how to get unstuck, right? First one is this, and we talk about recognizing, that instead of recognizing your regret, uh, we turn a blind eye to it. Instead of recognizing your regret, you turn a blind eye to it. You pretend it's not there. Remember how you used to do this when you were a kid? Right? Because as a little kid, if I can't see you, you can't see me. Right? And how would you peek through your fingers? Right? 
just a little bit, right? And some of us, that's life, right? We, we are trying to, uh, uh, to stay oblivious to this thing that will not allow itself to be unheard. And it just keeps speaking into your life. And, and it, like, you're just, you're a mess because you've turned a blind eye. Uh, there, I want to give you three reasons why sometimes this happens, right? And maybe uh, you can write down the one that's for you. Sometimes we don't, uh, we ignore it, we keep a blind eye because one, uh, you don't realize it's important. Like you, it's a gap that you just haven't pinned, and people tell you it, and you're like, whatever, right? And it's a, like you just don't see the importance of recognizing this regret. You brush it off. The second reason would be this, you're lazy, and you don't want to put in the work because you know that it's going to require some energy, maybe some emotional energy, and so you turn a blind eye to it because, I mean, I know it sounds hard. Nobody wants to be called lazy, but you're, you, don't want to, you don't want to engage it. You just don't, I don't have, man, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough year. It's been a rough decade. I just don't have it in me to engage this thing. And so you just, you're, you just turn a blind eye to it. Number three would be this. A third reason could be simply that uh, you just going to, you know that there's pain there. Anybody ever taken off a Band-Aid? Doesn't it feel good? Right, when it gets in the hairs in your arm or the hairs in your leg, right, and, it just, and you peel that off and it just, it hurts. Some of us, we know that when we engage that regret, that it's going to be painful. And so you want to ignore the pain. You want to stay away from it. And I'm just, I'm just going to stay away from it. But there's great examples in Scripture that would help us lean into those things. Because, like, listen, if you're staying away from pain or from a regret because it's going to be painful, let me be upfront with you. It's going to be painful. Most regret is associated at some point with pain. In my mom's hospital room this week, there was a chart on the wall, right? And that chart had a little, uh, on one end had a really cute little smiley face. And the other end, it had like, the smiley face is dead, right? <laughs> the X'd out eyes, right? And that was her pain scale. And the nurse would say, Miss Miller, based on this scale, where's your pain, right? Some of your stuff, it's just spilt toothpicks. You feel like a dork. I'm an idiot. I spill toothpicks everywhere, right? Some of it, it's way like it's crossed out eyes, and you know that it's going to be really painful to engage that regret. However, anyone who has engaged it knows that there's greater reward on the other side than staying in it now, right? There's greater reward, and the scriptures are full of stories of people who chose not to turn a blind eye. That's why I wanted you to go to Acts 22 this morning. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul. And so Apostle Paul has an opportunity in Acts chapter 22 to share his faith. And in Acts 22, he begins to share his story, and he kind of gives his bio of who he is. And what I want us to notice first here is how Paul recognizes his regret. Paul had a huge rap sheet. Some of you in this room, you think you're a bad dude. Paul was worse. See, a lot of us, we know the Apostle Paul because he's a guy who wrote a lot of letters that inspires the churches. Many of you, maybe he's one of your favorite Bible figures outside of Jesus Christ. He's somebody that inspires you. You love the book of Romans and Ephesians, and you just, you just kind of dig into them because there's so much good stuff there. But did you know what Paul was famous first for? He was first famous for the fact that he killed church people. He went after and persecuted and put into jail people who were choosing to follow Jesus instead of the temple routines. And that's what he was famous for. That's what he was known for. Paul, the accuser. Paul, the one who was going to chase you down and make sure that you didn't talk about this Jesus anymore. But then something happens, and Paul has a conversion. He has this encounter with God, and God says, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he changes Paul's life. See, some of us in this room, you're on your own little path right now, and God is trying to get your attention. And he's like, why are you so against me? 
Why are you so like, I'm trying to talk to you, I'm trying to give you insight, but you keep fighting me. You keep ignoring me, you keep rebelling against me. And maybe today, can I just be kind of a, like this person in your life that says, why in the world are you trying to fight God? Why in the world are you trying to go against the things that God is trying to do in your life? At some point, why don't you just quit being such a knucklehead and say, all right, yes, Lord. What do you need to say? And to Paul, the Holy Spirit said, why do you keep persecuting me? Why do you keep going after those who are following me? And Paul changes his life. He actually went blind. On the Damascus Road, he went blind. He couldn't see. And he gets led into the town, and he gets led to a guy named Ananias. And then this is what we find. So Paul is telling the story, and he says this. He goes, I persecuted the followers of the way, that is, the followers of Jesus, to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. He's saying, hey, there's people here that know that I did this. It's not like I'm making this stuff up. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Here's what Paul is doing. He's saying, I did it. He's recognizing it. He's owning it. Some of us don't own it. We want to blame it. Just own it. I screwed up. I screwed up. I broke it. It was me. I said it. I stole it. I took it. I cheated. It was me. I did it. I, I, I'm not going to spin it. I'm not going to, well, I did it because. No, 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 no. Just some of us would just say, you know what, like Paul, I've done some stupid stuff in my life. I recognize it. And it hurts. And I'm not proud. It's not my best moment. But I admit it. It was me. It was me. I am the one. Not only do we get stuck because we lack of recognition of our regret. Number two, how about this one? That instead of releasing it, right, letting the regret grow, letting the regret regret go, uh, what do we do? We hold on to it. How many of you guys, uh, one of your little ones at home, or maybe even you as an adult, I don't know, I'm not going to hear to judge, um, have you got your little blanket? Anybody got their little blanket? Yes, you have Marjorie has her blanket, yeah? And cuddle up with your blanket, right? Maybe if your little kid rubs their lips on their blanket... Or they cuddle up and they suck their thumb with their blanket. You remember that? Your husband does that when he comes home from work, right? Right? Been a long, hard day. Just give him his blanket and a chicken leg. He's all right, right? All right? Some of us, our regret has become our comfort. Like, you need your regret. And it's weird. It's weird. But, like, you rely on it. Because it kind of, like, you just, you cling to it. I was thinking through this also, though, is that it also becomes the reason for not moving on. Because you haven't released it, the reason that you haven't done whatever is next in your life is because of you've held on to the fact that this is a regret that you have. And because of this, because you still hold on to it, because of this, you can't do this. And you, and you say these things out loud. You don't just think them. You say these out loud. Well, I, I, but, but, you know, and, you, and, you, and you, tell, you, you name the regret. You name what happened. And you say, because of this thing, I can't move forward. And that's where you live. It, it, it's kind of become this weird thing in your life that keeps you where you are. And where you are, maybe not necessarily bad. But you've quit pursuing. You quit, maybe you quit loving people. Maybe you've stopped being generous. You've stopped being kind. And you're just kind of stuck because your regret has kind of glued your feet to life's floor. And you're here. And this is just kind of where you're going to live because you refuse to release it. Look how Paul, and this is interesting. Some of, some of you in this room, this is going to impact you and you're going to fight. You're not going to hear anything I'll say the rest of the day. And here's the deal. If this is you, then this is you. What I'm about to say, if this is you and you can't hear me for the rest of the day because your head's thinking about what I'm about to say, don't fight it. Just let the Lord do his thing. Are you ready? Because it's going to make some of you feel weird. 
But it's all, that's what I'm here for. That's why they pay me the big bucks, all right? Here we go. This was how Paul released his regret. Acts 22, Paul's own mouth, this is what he says. Ananias, you can read verse 15, says to Paul, And now what are you waiting for? Get up. What's the next two words? Uh, There's a lot more people than read that, right? What are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. See, baptism is not an idea. Baptism isn't something like, well, do we want to go to Chick-fil-A or Cane's? <laughs> well, we could go to Slim Pick. we got three options. Oh, KFC, that's four. We can get tacos there, too. Oh, that's pretty good. Right? Like, we, we view baptism as it's like this thing that maybe you get to do, you don't have to do, you know, whatever. Oh, by the way, there's water in the tub. I'm just, I'm setting you up, right? I like to do this every now and again. Notice this, and now Ananias says to Paul, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins. See, baptism is this marker that you put in the ground. Boom. Now, some of you, you've made, I've put this marker in the ground. Like, I can tell you about my baptism. I know that it was a marker for me. I didn't just get wet. It meant something to me. I remember I was in northeast Arkansas at Southside Community Church. They called us to do baptisms. I thought I was going to go back in a little room and walk in there. I, I don't know anybody, by the way. And I sat in the back of the room with strangers for like 30 minutes while the preacher won't quit talking. Short glam, we quit talking. And I remember Chad, uh, Chad Wood was the one who took me, and he put me in the water. And I remember like Chad would raise his hand. He said, Matt, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he put me in the water, and he raised me up. And that meant, I mean, I remember that. I'm 40. That happened when I was 19. I remember that in my mind. It's a spiritual marker. It's a memory that I have that says, that's the day when I said, I am a follower of Jesus. I'd already made the commitment in my heart. I'd already confessed with my mouth. But it was on that day that I let everybody else in the room know, including my family and those who were there, hey, listen, I am going to follow Jesus. Baptism is something that we get to do. I want to bring your attention to the screen. It's not on your outline, but Romans chapter, I believe, five, uh, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And this is what the scripture says. Paul says, Or don't you know that, it, that all of us who were baptized into Christ, see, we're baptized into something. We're baptized into his death. We, when we go into the water, when you go under, it's like the grave, like you die to the old self. All of those regrets, all of those things that you uh, used to do, all those things that snip away at your mind and at your heart that tell you who you are and why you can't and why you should never, all of those things, they stay dead. But not you. Oh, no, no, no. You, for you are a new creation. You come up out of that water. For the, we, therefore, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We came up out of the water. We're a new person. Our minds, our hearts are, are aligned, are loyal to a specific. It's not just getting wet. It's not, oh, something I just got to do. It is a moment that says, listen, I am in Christ. Some of us, we've made this decision, right? There's no condemnation at all. There's no, you're, you're, you, you, you have been baptized into the family. And so don't go, oh, well, I have some regrets, so maybe I should get into the water, and that'll make everything... Well, no, 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 no. You've been baptized. But there are several of us in this room who have not. And we've confessed, like I did as a young cat, we confess with Jesus, we believe in our heart, and we confess with our mouth that He is our Savior and our Lord, but we have neglected to step into the baptisms for a variety of reasons. There's a young man in our church. His name is Brandon, Brandon George. And um, Brandon's going to be getting baptized soon. We were hoping to get him baptized last week and then even this week, but his vans broke. And the reason that impacts Brandon's baptism is because Brandon is in a wheelchair and he's completely dependent upon his mom and his dad for care. 
Some of you know Brandon. You maybe don't know him, but if you've been attending New City, you hear Brandon because he sits in the back row in his wheelchair in the very back, and he moans sometimes, and he makes noises. And if you don't know, you're like, man, what is going on back there? And his mom, Cheryl, goes, Brandon, it's okay. Well, two weeks ago, Cheryl came to me and she says, Matt, Brandon wants to get baptized. But for Brandon to get baptized, do you understand the process? He can't walk. And mom and dad and friends are going to have to carry a grown man right? And to put him in the water. And it's not like, hey, let me swing a leg over and get in. And I'm sitting there going, I'm listening to them tell me at what all that they're going to need to do so that their son can be baptized. And you know, and again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pain in the rear. Can I just, you know, you know me, that's me. The whole time that they're telling me this, I'm thinking of everyone else that hasn't been baptized. And I'm thinking this, what's your excuse? Cheryl's like, Matt, is there a place that we can dress Brandon afterwards. I said, yeah, we have a little office. She said, I need to lay him down and get him dried off so I can dress him because it's, it's a little bit of a production. I said, absolutely, we'll, we'll accommodate those things. Why would somebody go to all of that trouble? Man, listen, is today your day that you go public with your faith? Chew on it. Let's continue to move on. Paul did. The third reason that some of us are stuck is simply this. It's not because of baptism, and it's not because we don't recognize it. Instead of redeeming your regret, you're, res- you're resisting redemption. What does this mean? You're following Jesus. You're following. You're walking along. And yet this thing keeps messing with you. And you're not allowing redemption to happen fully in your life. You've made progress, you've moved, but there's this one, two, three things that just kind of keep circling back, and you're having a hard time allowing God to redeem it. Instead, instead you are, uh, instead of redeeming it, you're resisting it. Look, look at what Paul does. Even Paul does this. Notice in Acts 22, verse 17. He says, When I returned to, re- to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, the Lord said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, Paul says, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Now notice what's happening here. God says to Paul, I want you to go and I want you to do something. And what does Paul do? Here's why I can't. Do you know that they don't like me there? Do you know that what I've done? I have a reputation. Remember what I said Paul was first famous for? Well, he knows that too. And although he's recognized it, it's coming back on him. And he's like, this is why I can't go back there. And he's telling God what he can't do. God's saying, hey, I want you to go. And Paul said, oh, yeah, thank you, but I can't. Do you remember why? And we do the very same thing. Like God gives you a dream. God gives you a job. God gives you an opportunity. And you tell God what God can't do because of who you are or who you used to be. And you don't allow God to redeem you. You say, no, this is who I am. I can't do that. I recognize it. I did it. And God's like, I know you did it. I was there. Will you let me do something about it? Will you let me use it for you, for them? Will you let me have a hold of your story? Will you let me have a hold of your testimony? Will you let me have a hold of your life? And can it not just be your life? Can it be my life? And can we, can we do this together? And God says to Paul in Acts 22, verse 21, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And Paul puts up this fight, but he relents, and he goes, and his journey begins. It's crazy. Some of you, stop telling the Lord what he can do. And just say this. All right, God, you know me. You know what I do. 
You know who I am. If you are willing to take this mess, this one hot mess, you're a hot mess, right? And you're willing to do something with this in this kingdom that we, that we live in, in this planet, this jacked up world we live in. If you're willing to take all of me and redeem me for your purpose, I'm going to quit telling you what you can't do. I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to follow. Can I give you a tool to help you process this a little bit? Let's begin to recognize, release, and redeem. This is a tool that we use in our discipling process. And um, if you will, I want you to draw um, a circle that looks similar to that right there. In the middle of it, we're keeping that kind of language that we've been going on today, that sorry cycle kind of attitude. But we're going to kind of give you some steps on how you can process this. Because uh, how many of you, uh, as I talk about regrets of some sort, how many of you, there's something that comes to your mind? Anybody think of a regret just by a show of hands? Anybody? Good, I'm talking to five people. Fantastic. Sorry for the rest of you. All right. Here we go. Here's the first thing I want you to do, what I just said, recognize it. What regret comes to mind? Just recognize your regret. You don't need people around you to do this. Yourself tells you these things. Just recognize it and write it down. Write them down. You may need four sheets of paper. I have no idea. But just write them down. These are my regrets, right? Now let's bring some people into it. Number two, the second thing that you want to do is this. You want to reflect with a trusted friend or trusted friends. Who loves you enough for you to show your piece of paper to? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Who loves you enough that you can trust with your regrets? Who loves you enough, as my buddy Matt says, who loves you enough to stab you in the chest, not the back? That's a good one, right? Do you have that type of friend? Do you have somebody that'll look at you and be honest to you, to your, to your, to your face, and say, hey, here's, do you have that person? Share, share your list with them. Third thing would be this. You know, when I say share it, don't just don't give it to them. So here, tell them, tell them this is it. This is it, right? Number three, and then reflect with God. What do I mean by that? What does God say about you? Get in the Word. By the way, those two right there, two and three, reflect with a trusted friend, reflect with God. You do those things together. Most of us in this room, I would dare say, if we're just being honest, we haven't got the Bible completely figured out, right? A lot of us are just on our journey in some pathway, and, and like if I asked you to sh- bring up a section of Scripture that has Paul's story, you would have never taken me to Acts 22. Some of us, we just don't know where things in the Bible are. That's why you put around you people who can be trusted with your spiritual uh, journey, people that can be trusted with your heart and your mind, and say, listen, these are things that, I, that, that, that mess with me. These are things that I can't get out of my mind. These are things that I can't get out of my heart, and I, I need to share these with you, and then we, we, we tr- I trust you. And then also, what, is the, what does God say about me in this? And so those Two, number three, we do, as a, we do as a small team. We do as people that we can trust and that you know care about you. I've got two groups of guys that I walk with, a Tuesday night group and a Friday morning group. And this Friday morning, I went in and I unloaded. Me, I'm the leader. But I went in and I said, all right, boys, hang on, I'm ticked off. And I ran and raved for a little bit. And they listened. And they gave me scripture, right? We reflected on it. They gave me, they gave me scripture. They gave me three scriptures to, to process and to chew on, right? Which leads me to the fourth step. Plan release. Plan for release. Like, they, 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 I took up the time of the group. These men listened to me. They asked me questions. They gave me scriptures back. They expect me to do something with that. Hear this. When God, what, this, this, uh, what side of the, tri- the circle am I? Left side. When you recognize it and reflect and reflect with God, here's what you need to know. Maybe you've never known this before. This is God trying to get your attention. I have a son named Luke. When he's watching TV, he can't hear nothing. Anybody like that? 
Hey, Luke, can you come down? Dinner's ready. He's not being disobedient. He's oblivious. He has no idea. And so what do I have to do? Luke! Nothing. He's not being mean. He's glued into whatever's on Netflix. Luke Miller. What? What do you need, Dad? I'm home. I wonder how many times God has done that in my life. Matt Miller. Jesus up in heaven. Right? Yes, Lord. In your life, God's trying to get your attention. He wants to have breakthrough. He wants you to win. Will God allow me to be in your life this morning to say, Wake up! You've dealt with this long enough. Come on. Come on. Quit recognizing it. Move on. Come on, share it with somebody. Be bold. Be courageous. Share it with somebody. Go to the Word. What, is this, what does the Scripture say about you? And then plan. Like, man, okay, hey, here's what I'm doing right now. Like today, I'm going to take those three Scriptures, and I already know them. I've already been reading them, and I'm going to put together a plan, and I'm going to email those guys back my plan. I'm going to say, hey, guys, here's what I'm going to do. Thank you for those Scriptures. Here's what I'm thinking. And I'm going to give them back my plan. I'm going to say, hey, here. Because number next is this. Number five is uh, share with trusted friends the plan. Share. That's where the accountability comes in. That's where accountability comes in. There's no secret plan. You know what you do with secret plans? Nothing. How many of you already jacked up your diet that you started on January 1? (laughs) Probably those of us who have didn't tell anybody about it. Right? We make these, no, share them. Hold me accountable. Love me enough to get up in my face because I want to win. And God wants me to win. And can I tell you something? That when you win, others win. Guess what? When Matt Miller wins, ooh, Jen Miller wins. She's my wife. And when Matt Miller wins, my kids get a better dad. They don't get a grumpy dad or a frustrated dad or a defeated dad or an insecure dad. They get the dad that God has designed me to be. When I operate in my plan, I go to work. My employees and my employers, they get the best of me. They don't get defeated me. They don't get whiny me. They get the me that God has intended for them to receive. It ain't just about you. It ain't just about me. It's about all of us. That's why we share. And by the way, can I tell you else why we share this stuff? Is because I don't know if you know this about you yet, but nobody thinks you're as good as you think you are. We all got stuff, guys. I got stuff. You got stuff. And you know what happens when you're vulnerable? People get to say this. Me too. Wow, I didn't know that you struggled with that also. That's my story. And all of a sudden, man, conversations begin to take place and, and breakthrough begins to happen. Last step is this. Drop these in if you want. Number six, redeem it. Your life goes a different direction now. You may have to process this over and over again. Some of the stuff is so big, like you're going to have to chew on it for a while. It's not a little bitty circle. It's a big, big, big circle. But I am going to give you a step this morning. But you're going to have to be bold. Because some of us, the step in this room is that you have believed in your heart and you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, but you've yet, to take, you've yet to take the step into the baptism waters. You've yet to do that. Hear me. I am not telling anybody to do this because it's not my job. Can I take you back to what Ananias says to Paul? You go back to me. Acts twenty two sixteen. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Some of us like to learn things when we come to church. It's not always about feeling we want to learn something. You see that phrase, be baptized? It's a permissive voice. It's called the middle voice in Scripture. It's this thing that you have to allow to happen. Nobody this morning is going to come and take you, pull you up out of your chair, give you a spiritual wedgie, and put your head in that water. 
We ain't doing that. Like Nacho Libre, have you guys seen that movie? When he, we're not doing that. We're not going to, if you go watch it today, right? My kids, love, it's the Lord's chips. We're not going to do those things. It's a decision that you have to say, you know what, Lord? Uh, I think you're saying this to me, and so I'm going to do this. I'm going to be bold and courageous. Um, I'm going to let you sit in it for a little bit and be uncomfortable. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm about the band to come on up, and we're going to do a song. And um, no, no for us is that uh, if no one gets baptized this morning, it's still a win, right? And if someone gets baptized this morning, it's a great win. It's a great win. But if I can be vulnerable for a minute, in this thing that I call being a pastor, I have to be so careful of what I hang my hat on is what makes me successful. And so, no, I'm not giving you any more persuasive speech this morning. I'm going to trust that you're going to do what the Lord's asked you to do. Band's going to sing a song. Here's the deal. We've got, you're like, I didn't bring any clothes. Well, we're pretty smart around here. We went and bought stuff. Okay? And so we're not asking you to change before. We'll let you change afterwards. We got towels, and we got clothes, and we got people. Okay? You're like, well, I want my family to see this. Well, we got Facebook Live, and we got video and pictures that we're going to take this morning. Okay? But we kind of try to do our best to think of these things. And so I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me. We're going to sing this song. We're going to worship. And if God is oppressing upon anybody this morning, that, hey, this is your next step. This is how you're going to put the marker in the ground and you're going to move from your regret because you've never followed me in baptism. Today is your day. And we're going to do that. Father God, thank you this morning. May you move in this place. God, would, would, would your Holy Spirit win? Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we don't have to stay stuck in our regret. Amen. That, more, that's the most important thing. Father, thank you for that. God be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.